Thank you, thank you so much. Well, it's great to be here. Great to be here. Good morning. You guys doing good? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful day. Um, tell you what, um, it's funny how you say prodigal son. It's funny. Yeah, so, so <laughs> like, I'm, I'm good, though. I didn't do anything bad. Anyway, so. But it is quite funny, though, because this morning, the topic, the issue that we're going to be talking about is anger. And so they picked a Middle Eastern guy to talk about anger. <laughs> yeah. So I think we should pray. <laughs> right? We should pray. We should pray. <laughs> Let's pray. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for uh, what you're doing. God, for this moment. But God, I just ask you, God, that uh, would you fill the space, uh, not this uh, building, Lord God, but every, every space, uh, every soul, Lord God, that's actually tuned in, watching, um, either here or somewhere else, God, that you, would you fill our hearts, would you allow us to acknowledge, God, and know that you're here and you're present, uh, that you're with us, God, and that the, the reason why we're watching or listening or being here, God, is because you brought us to this moment and there's something you want to sp- say to us. God, I just ask you and your presence to fill, um, to fill all the emptiness inside of us and uh, remind us again that you are a God who speaks. You're communicating, God, and this morning you're going you're gonna to speak to us. We just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you might not know me, uh, we, we left 10 years ago, 10 years ago, but I realized that I've known the Surratts and been a part of Seacos for uh, 20 years, 20 years. So we met when we were five so we're about 25. That's good. That's a good age. Um, but, but, but when I left, uh, we looked like this. So my family consisted of uh, my wife and, and my son, Asher, uh, and then me. Um, and I also was the, the guy from Lost back in the day. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Serious. And so, but this is what my family looks like now. And so we've added and subtracted hair. And so we... Uh, we, uh, this, is, this is them, they're cuties. And so we're, we're so grateful for the, just the investment this church has made. I'm excited about the future for you guys. Excited about that you guys have given to this campaign, given to the next generation. And I'm telling you as a guy uh, who gave to the last generation and uh, see what God has done, uh, you've got to get on board with what God's doing here at Seacoast. If you're just new, this is a great, great church. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about anger, right? Uh, let's just get a poll here. Uh, how many of you would say you uh, have anger issues? Issues. Anybody? Okay. The rest of you. Denial. Does denial <laughs> ring a bell? Anybody? Okay. We all deal with anger. Come on. Let's just be honest. We all, we've all done something that we wish we wouldn't have done. We've all said something, right? Have you ever been in this moment? You're like, I didn't mean to say that out loud. You know, <laughs> you've done it. You've done it. But what triggers it? Like when it comes to like just, just rage maybe, you know, uh, temporary rage. Does, uh, does anger, I mean, sorry, does hunger do it? Like when you get hungry, you're like, I'm not me when I'm hungry. How about traffic? Oh, yes. Any traffic demons in the house, right? Like you're not even charismatic, but you have an own prayer language when you're in traffic, right? You just say some stuff. Say some stuff, yeah. Yeah. What about uh, lack of sleep? Anybody? Lack of sleep, man. That's me. Oh my gosh. You don't want to get around me when I'm like, like deprived of sleep. 
Now, here's the deal, though. We all deal with anger, but then there are some of us that we have anger that's been living inside of us for a long time. It has moved in, unpacked its bags, and it's been around. Like, you've probably met someone like this, or you've experienced this by yourself. Like, you have a moment where you talk to someone, and they say something, or some, they do something, and you're like, you, you, you crazy. Like, like, like you're, they're, they're not just, they don't just get mad. They're like, they're an angry person. There's just so much rage. And what's funny is it doesn't matter if you're a, you're a teenager or, or you're an empty nester. You, you, it doesn't matter your age or stage in life. If you let anger in, it begins to create something else and it begins to move you and shape you into someone else. It eventually comes out because anger, anger cannot be contained, so it manifests itself as different things. And what's funny, though, is, is that we all deal with it. We, there's no way you can kind of ma- j- just deal with the issue of anger because it's kind of a tension. You've got to manage it because you all you will get angry in the future as well. And when you ca- talk about dealing with anger, the subject of anger, especially in, the, in a spiritual context in a church like this and in, in Scripture, you, you, it's not confusing, but here's what one passage says, and this is one translation. You probably read it in a different translation. This is the message translation. It says this. It says, go ahead and be what? Angry, which, to which we should just say amen, and let's leave. You know, that's it. Uh, but it keeps on going. It says, uh, you do well to be angry. But don't use your anger as a fuel for revenge, and don't stay angry. Don't stay angry. Uh, Don't go to bed angry, which means don't get intimate with anger. Don't get intimate with anger. Because if you do, don't don't give the devil that kind of what? Foothold in your life. The, the, the writer is saying there's something about anger. It's, it's very practical, real world, real life stuff, but there's also a spiritual component to this. You see, if you allow anger in, it does something psychologically to you. It does, it creates emotions, it creates certain things, but then you actually allow something that's supernatural, uh, 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 an, an enemy of your soul who has a plan for you. He wants to kill, destroy everything about you, and he can actually become a part of you. He can have a foothold. He can, he can pull the strings if you allow anger inside of you. He, he, can, he can start beginning to control you, and he will destroy everything about you. And so, uh, so we have to deal with this issue of anger because for some of us, I mean, there's, 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 there seems to be even a justification of why we are so mad. Because we were robbed. We were robbed a season of our life. We were robbed of childhood. We were robbed of a precious thing. We were lo- robbed of a relationship. We were just robbed of, uh, of an opportunity. And we're mad, and we're angry. And we deal with this person, or we know this person, or for some of us, this person has already passed away, but you are still mad about it, and you're still angry, and you want an apology, and you want something to be made right. The question is, how do we deal with anger? Because others of us, we don't have that, but we do have anger issues. We do deal with anger. What do we do with that? See, the first question I think we need to ask ourselves is this. Where does our anger, like, come from? Like, where is your anger coming from? Is it coming from a deep, deep place? A deep place. You got fired. You got let go. It was wrong. They were idiots. But you, de- you, you kept that. You kept that in. And the next question is, where is it taking you? Where is anger taking you? Because it is taking you into a place because it's creating something inside of you. It's, it's changing you. So how do we deal? How do we figure out what, where is it coming from? And, what is it, and, and could, it be, could it be that we have these issues that in our lives that we say, you know what, I'm going to hold my ex-husband responsible for yada, 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 yada. And you know what, you, you might be justified for it, but is it doing 
something to you? Could it be doing something in you that you really don't want it to do? Could you be becoming some, a person that you were never thought you would become, but you see that you're actually changing and it's not good? So let's talk about Moses. Everybody know Moses? Moses? Remember Moses? Yo, yo, let my people go. That's the guy, if you're wondering. You're like, is that the guy with the ark? No. No, that was Russell Crowe. Uh, uh, <laughs> and Noah. Anyway, so Moses is this guy who basically his, his whole thing is, is that he's the guy who rescued the Jewish people out of bondage, took them out of, the, of Egypt and into the promised land. That's his deal, right? That's his, he's known for that. But, but what's interesting about this is that God in, the, in, the, in this uh, journey that they had, I mean, 40 to 80 years, I mean, this is crazy, this caravan of about a million people, he takes these people out of Egypt. And if you know the story, there are miracles that take place. And if you don't know, God actually provided certain things like water, food, and in terms of water, what he would do is, is that he would, he would uh, Moses and him would talk and God would say, okay, speak to this rock or do something to this rock and the water will come out of this rock and we'll, we'll just take care of people. We'll just take care of people. So God was providing for them, teaching them, okay, loved them, wanting to rescue them. But Moses was, had some kind of, I think he had an anger issue, a little bit of an anger issue. So this happens again. They run out of water. God and Moses have a, have a conversation. God says, hey, I want you to speak to this rock. We'll do it like we did last time. Last time. You remember last time? You talked to the rock. It was all good. Do the, do the same thing. Do the same thing. Talk to the rock and tell people I'm providing for them. It's all good. Moses apparently is having a bad day, or is it more than that? Here's the passage. Starts off, he and Aaron rounded up, <laughs> rounded up the congregation. Like it. Okay, rounded up the whole congregation in front of the rock. Okay, so it's about a million people or so. That took a month, okay? Now, Moses spoke. Moses spoke. He's supposed to represent God, right? He starts off. What's the first two words? Can you read them? You, you detect a little anger, just a little bit. It's like me walking up. Hey, good morning, sinners. You heathens are looking great. No, he starts off with listen. When anyone starts a conversation with listen, you know there's a problem. And he goes, rebels. And then he says something that we've all said. He said, do we, do we, do I have to do everything? Do we have to bring water out of this rock for you again? Like, do we have to do everything? Everything? He keeps on going. With that, Moses raised his arm and slammed his staff against the rock once, twice. Twice. So God says, speak to the rock. He's like, do I have to blow? He is having a bad day. But God still provides a miracle. Water poured out, congregation and cattle drank. You think it's all good. But then, Mo then God has a conversation with Moses. And this you might have not known. I have not known. Maybe forgotten. God said to Moses and Aaron, because you didn't trust me, didn't treat me with holy reverence in front of the people of Israel, you too are, you're not going to lead them into the promised land that I'm giving them. You're not. Uh, 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 excuse me? 
you know how long I've been traveling with these people? About 80 years old now. Have you ever been on a road trip with family? <laughs> like, if you, you want to kill them. Like, right? Right? I mean, how many times do you have to stop and go to the bathroom? You got a million people. Every second. All right. All right. You're going you're gonna to lose it. You're going to lose it. You're like, I'm going crazy. This is the road trip from hell. This, it never ends. It never ends. You think he had a bad day? Of course he had a bad day. Right? You, you, don't you think that God would have said, you know what? You're having a bad day. I get it. I, I so get it. It's okay. Was he being harsh? Hey, you're not going in. Maybe is God talking about something else besides that rock? I mean, rock didn't feel anything. What, is he talking about something else? Maybe he's talking about the fact that you remember the Ten Commandments? Anybody remember the Ten Commandments? Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments. Who's the first guy to literally break the Ten Commandments? Literally. Moses. He comes down. Hey, guys. They're throwing a party. For the love. He breaks. He literally breaks Talbot. He breaks them. You think he had an anger issue? Let's go back. Let's go back when he was uh, uh, this Prince of Egypt guy, right? Disney World. You've seen the story, right? You see the cartoon. He's there, right? He is, he is now living in the palace. It was, there was something that happened in the palace. I don't know if you guys remember when he was in charge or he was living there. Let me tell you, here's what happened. Let's go to the scriptures. So this, this is where it says. It says, time passed. Moses, this, 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 this Hebrew, lived in, a, in an Egyptian palace. He grew up because he was the only guy who survived like a genocide. His generation, no other uh, male survived. He's the only guy. You think he has some issues. Of course he has some issues. He doesn't have a mom, doesn't have a dad. He has a mom, but it's the living nanny. I don't know, maybe. Uh, she looks like me. I don't know. There's all kinds of confusion going on. He's raised. All his people are slaves. Not him, though. He's, he's not, not him. His name is Moses, which means drawn out, the only one saved. You have to be reminded every time you hear the word Moses, you're the only one who got saved. You think there's some issues. Of course there is. Time passed. He grew up. One day he went out and saw his brothers, meaning the Jewish people, saw that all hard labor. Then he saw an Egyptian hit a Hebrew, one of his own relatives. Some say that he actually knew him. He, the, what happens then? He looked this way and then that. When he realized there was no one in sight, he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. Now, let me just tell you, the first time I, uh, I was told the story, uh, and the first time I think maybe I saw the cartoon or whatever, the movie, I just realized, here's, here's, this is the Disney version of that story. I, real, I thought that Moses walked out. He was like, oh, this is a beautiful day. It's awesome. He looks, and he's like, oh, there are two guys fighting. He's like, oh, no, don't do that. So he goes to them. He's like, what are you guys fighting? He's like, what's going on? Don't treat him like that. He's doing his hard, he's doing work and all that. The Egyptian guy goes, no, 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 this guy's a slave. They have, a, all, all, they have, a, they have, they, they have words, you know, it's, it gets a little crazy. The Egyptian guard says, who are you? He takes out a sword, tries to, like, hey, get away from me. And then Moses goes, no, 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 don't do this. Don't hit him. No, no, no. They start wrestling to the ground. They fall. Oh, my gosh, I stabbed you. <laughs> like, that's what I thought. Like, Moses tried to stop injustice, right? 
And he did this, and in self-defense, to protect someone else, he killed the guy. Totally justified. Is that what happened? No. He looks at the guy, looks at what's going on, doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything. All he does is he looks at the other guy and says, I'm going to kill you. He figures out when the guy is alone, and then he kills him. It's not self-defense. It's not trying to stop injustice. What is it? It is premeditated murder. You think he has an anger issue. What do you think God was thinking when Moses has the dead body right next to him, and he's digging the grave in the sand to bury the dude? What do you think God is thinking? I've never been wrong, but is there another Moses? Is there, an, is there another guy? Because this, this is not, how are we going to do this? What? what? He's going to save the people? He just started with killing one. I mean, Egyptian, but we're all, it's all humanity here. What, what is he doing? He's supposed to love our people. He's killing people. You see, when God said, you're not going into the promised land, he was saying, Moses, I have given you 80 years to deal with this anger issue. No amount, no amount of good works, righteousness, no amount of anointing, no amount of popularity, no amount of purpose in life, passion, no amount of all these things is going to make up for the fact that you have a major character flaw and you have an anger issue. So I'm sorry, Moses, but this is it. This is it. You're not going to lead my people and this new generation to this new promised land. I'm sorry. Yes, you've gone, you've gone, you've gone. I'll tell you this. I will redeem it. You'll be known not as the murderer. I, you'll be known as the guy who leads them into the promised land. But I'm just going to tell you right now, you are not going in. Because anger will always keep you from God's best in your life. Anger always will keep you from the promised land. Here's the question. Could you, would, is it possible that your anger... Your anger and the thing you know, your unforgiveness, your bitterness, your rage against this person, against these people, is keeping you from God's best in your life. Could that be possible? I think it is. I think it's very, very possible. Now, now I'm not saying that God can't redeem. You have to understand, God still used a flawed individual. He used a murderer. You think he could use you. Yes. Yes. But you and I have to deal with this deep-rooted issue. Deep-rooted issue. Where, 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 is this, where is this coming? Where is this coming from? Where is it coming from? Where, where is it going? Where is it going? I mean, I remember um, when, uh, when we moved to Charlotte, a couple of first couple of years, we, we uh, had a, a house and we rented it out and we had renters and we decided we're going to rent it on ourselves, by ourselves. That's a great idea, right? We're going to be the landowner, you know, we're going to be the people. And so we got this uh, family in into our house and, and they, they were good. They were paying, you know, every month and it was all good. And then one month they said, hey, we're going to be late and it was all good. We figured that out. And the next month they said, hey, we're not going to be able to afford this place. We're going to leave. 
We're like, okay, that's fine. That's okay. No worries. And uh, then we got another email that said, hey, you know what? We need 15 more days. I said, no, it's fine. It's okay. We went back and forth. Finally, there was like the day they were going to move out. I was going to come by the house and just check the house and see if they'd gone. It only been a couple of m- several, maybe four or five months, so no big deal. It's all good. So I, wa- I drove up to the house. It was raining. I drove up to the house. I'm walking in. I'm, I'm noticing that the garage door is open, and I walk in, and, and there's a pile of dirt this big this big in the garage. There's just dirt in the garage. So I walk in, the guy's sitting on the dirt, and I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> hey, you, you, you moved out? He, and he says, I'm not moving out. Like everything that is in the email, all of the, it was just an illusion. I was like, uh, you, you, wh- huh? He's like, I'm not moving out. You can't kick me out. By law, you can't kick me out. I was like, dude, you sent me an email. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to plead with him. He's like, I'm not going anywhere. I was like, did you move anything? Nothing. I was like, Ooh. <laughs> then I walked inside the house. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at the house. Walked in, guys, guys. It was, it was, a, it was a terrible scene. You had, you had, you had dog poop in the house. You had stains of like pee that has not been cleaned up. You had juice. You had ants around. Uh, you had, they, they strung those things that catch flies all over. There are kids playing. There's no furniture. I walk upstairs. There's no beds. There's just mattresses that he's got from I don't know where. I'm like, what are you doing? The, 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 the dogs have chewed all kinds of places. I mean, I, I mean, by the time I walked back to him sitting on that pile of dirt, I was like, Whoa! I was like, you are out. Get out. And he was like, I'm not going anywhere. I was like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I said. <laughs> but I had this thought, walk away, name. Walk away. Walk away, name. Walk away. I was like, So I, I walk away. I mean, I literally have to pull myself away. I'm like, okay. So I go back in the car. And Ashley's like, are you all right? You all right? I was like, <sighs> she was like, hey, listen, I called the cops. I said, why did you call the cops? She was like, well, I didn't know what you were going to do <laughs> to that guy. I was like, hon, hon you call the cops on me? She was like, I was like, so I'm going to go to jail. Like, can you just drive? Can we just drive and leave? So I think, I think that anger came from what happened, but I think it also came from other things, other things in my life. It did. So we're all in this together. How do we fix this? Here's what we do. First of all, what we do is we learn from Jesus. Jesus uh, got mad and he got angry. He did some stuff. Here's a passage of Scripture that tells us what Jesus really did. So Jesus walks into this temple, and there's a scene. You probably know this uh, passage. If you don't, here's what what it says. 
He found the temple teeming with people, setting cattle and sheep and doves. This is the message translation, so it kind of explains to you the loan sharks were there also in full strength. Jesus put together a whip out of strips of leather and chased them out of the temple, stampeding the sheep and the cattle, upending the tables of the loan sharks, spilling coins left and right. So here's the scene. Jesus is mad. You if you remember this, this is the time when Jesus, like, he is flipping out. He's flipping tables. He is really enraged with some uh, passion here. And so what happens? Next passage, it says, he told the dove merchants, get your things out of here. He is, he is angry. He's passionate. He says, stop turning my house, my father's house, into a shopping mall. Stop doing this. And that's when the disciples remembered the, the, the scriptures. Zeal for your house consumes me. And so what the disciples are seeing, they're, they're seeing Jesus take anger and use it in a different way. This anger is not coming from a place of like, you know, heart issues, not from a childhood issue. No, he's coming from a place of saying, you know what? You're treating God's house as a, like a shopping mall. This, you're not representing God. It's coming from a place of looking at something and saying, this is not good. This is not right. People should not be treated this way. God should not be represented this way. And so he gets really passionate about the fact that what are you doing? You can't buy salvation. You can't buy, you can't buy redemption. What are you, you can't buy healing. What are you, what are you, why are you doing this? This is, not, this is my father's house. So he's passionate. What did, what did Jesus do? I think God, Jesus gave us insight into what, what anger needs to be. Anger needs to be a tool and not a weapon. It's, it's, it's this hammer, which obviously is a tool, right? Obviously a tool. But this could be a serious weapon. You see, anger is a secondary emotion. The first thing you and I feel, it's different. Some of us feel offended, insecure, hurt, disappointed. And then the next thing that happens is that we become angry. It's a secondary emotion. That means you can actually control it. Your insecurity does not have to turn into anger. Your offense does not have to turn into anger. It does not have to. But you have to be able to actually control it. Here's an interesting quote here by talking about what we do with anger. It says this, it says, if we don't comfort ourselves through self-validation, we do it through invalidating what? Others. So if you can't control anger because it's a secondary emotion, you will use it as a weapon and not as it was meant to be used as a tool. Jesus made a uh, whip out, uh, out of leather and he he, he made that as a tool to get the cattle and sheep out of there. He wasn't hitting people with it. Jesus used it as a tool. See, for some of us, we need to be passionate and angry about what's going on in our culture. Maybe the things are they're just not right and how. And you look at something and say, this should not be. I need to pour myself into this person. This person should not treat this person like this. I mean, you get really passionate about things. You need to use your anger as a tool and not as a weapon, not as a weapon. For some of us, we just don't know what to do. We just can't help but use this anger as a weapon. And here's the, here's the deal. Here's the deal. There's actually a way to make sure that when you deal with anger, it, it's always a tool. And the only way to deal with that is you make a habit of releasing anger. You see, when anger is released, it becomes a tool. But when it's contained, it becomes a weapon. 
So when you hold on to bitterness, when you hold on to anger, you hold on, it begins to create this rage within you. And I'll tell you what, you can't help it but invalidate other people. You can't help it but use that as a weapon and punish the people around you. The reason why you say some things and you, wanna, you don't know why you say it is because you want to punish people. And here's what happens. Based on your personality, you will either do it to other people or you'll do it to yourself. You'll start medicating yourself. You'll start cutting yourself. You'll be depressed, but it's connected to this rage of what happened long time ago. It's connected to your childhood. It's connected to a spouse that's, that wasted a decade of your life. You look at your kids and you go, are you seriously telling me that my family is going to be divided because of this? And you're hurt. And you're angry. And it's all right. It's okay. But you just can't allow it to become a weapon within you. Because it will start cutting and destroying you and then the people around you, and will keep you from your promised land. But if you use it as a tool, it'll, it'll actually glorify God. It'll actually advance God's kingdom, and in fact, create the world that God wants to create through you. But you have to use it as a tool. And like I said, the only way it's used as a tool is, is when you release it. Because you and I have to get to a point where you go, you know what, God, I, uh, I can't believe, I can't believe that this happened. And I can't believe you let this happen. And, and, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to, like, how am I going to get all those years back? Like, how, how are we going to get all this money back? How, how, how is this person, this person's never going to change? And you have those conversations with God. And within you, you're like, you know what? You know what? I'm, I'll tell you what. I know it's not good, and I've heard messages about anger. And this morning, you're like, this is the fourth time. This is the third time. I've been ta thinking about this this week. This person's come to my mind, and man, I want to destroy them. In fact, Naeem, you know, here's what I want to do. I want to hurt them like they hurt me. I want them to not be sorry. I want them to feel what I felt, and then it'll be okay. Because anger, when it's contained, says, here's the deal. Someone owes you. There's a debt to pay. It wasn't right. Someone's got to be punished for this. And that's why. That's why when it comes to offense, we're like, oh, I, I, want, I, want that, I want an apology. No, no, no. I'll tell you what. More than an apology. I want, I, I don't know what I want, but I, I'd want, I want them to hurt. That's what I want. I want them to hurt. And you know that there's rage within you and it's growing inside of you. But here's how you deal with it. You actually turn to anger and go, you know what, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And you say to that person that you're thinking of, to those people you don't, you don't owe me. You, you have a moment with yourself this morning and you go, they don't owe me an apology. I'm going to let it go. And everything inside of you will say, no, do not let it go. Do not let it go. But if you keep it with you, it was, it's a weapon that will destroy you. 
But if you use anger as a tool and you go, I'm going to let it go, I'm going to let it go. If you have the courage to say, um, you don't owe me. If you can say in your mind, dad, you, you, dad, you don't owe me. Ex-spouse, you don't owe me. I'm letting you go. You hurt me. What you did was wrong. You took from me. You should be punished. But you don't owe me. You don't owe me. When you say that, when you say that, here's what you do. You tell anger that you don't own me. That's the only way. It's the only way. It's the only way. And you have to trust that situation to a God who feels anger, who is just, and let them go. You just let them go. And, and, and let God just do what he wants to do. Do you know that there's one prayer God has never a- answered? There's a miracle that God has, seems like, will never do. You know what that is? It's changing someone's past. God has never done it. Never done it. He's never said, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go back and change your past. Never done it. Never done it. So I'm going to do it. He's like, I'm, he, if he was loving God, why, why wouldn't he do it, right? He's like, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'll redeem it, but I can't change it. You want grace? You want the supernatural grace? That grace is for today. It's for today. Not yesterday. Today. So today you can have all the grace, all the supernatural peace that you need and the power you need to actually set this anger free and release it. We're so used to blowing off steam. Not talking about that. I'm talking about releasing anger once and for all. It's the guy who came up to me after the, uh, the, the past service and said, hey, today I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm forgiving my ex-spouse. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. That's it. I can't do this anymore. There's some of you, you're holding on to hurts, and the person has passed away. You're never going to get an apology. I know my, I have, I have a dad who lives in bitterness. Lives in it. He's been living in it for a long time. Angry. Angry of how things turned out. And I can tell you, it, it, it messes me up to spend time with him. Because I drive home and I'm, I'm like, he's wasting away. He's not just wasting his time. He's wasting away. It's eating him up. Let's just, let's just let go. Let go of anger. I'm letting go. I'm, I'm just saying this organization doesn't owe me. This person doesn't owe me. These people don't owe me. My mom doesn't owe me. My dad doesn't owe me. My son doesn't owe me. My daughter doesn't owe me. My mother-in-law doesn't owe me. Well, maybe. <laughs> Let's do this together. 
Let's, let's, let's tap into the grace for today, the miracle for today. Okay, let me pray for us. Lord God, God, only you can do this. Only you can take a murderer and redeem his life that he would be known as the redeemer of his people, the savior of his people, the liberator of his people. Only you can do that. God, only you can take our brokenness and make something beautiful out of it. So God, this morning, we just come to you. And I pray on behalf of the people who are dealing with complicated issues. Some are so deep. There are abuse issues, and it's, it's so deep. But God, I know that your grace is every day. And it's a process. And as a part of the process, today, once again, or maybe for the very first time, we're saying, I'm letting anger go. I'm releasing it. And from now on, I will use anger as a tool. A tool to create a better world. A, a tool to help my family. A, help, uh, a tool to, to restore relationships. A tool to make my purpose even more clear. God, I don't want to use it as a weapon. No one owes me. And God, the truth is, I'm mad at you too. I'm just, I'm just angry that you didn't intervene, that you allowed something like this to happen. And it feels just it's so weird, and I feel guilty even saying this, but, but I'm mad. And I'm so disappointed. And God, I thank you that you're a God who, who is so secure emotionally, that we can actually come to you and say, you know what, I'm mad at you, and you don't get offended by it. And you can actually heal our hearts from the inside out. So God, I pray that you would do that this morning. Give us the power. In Jesus' name. Amen.